God bless you. What a great day. Hallelujah. Brother Michael, it seems like we've made a full circle. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for letting me be a part of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you with all of our hearts. and so good to see you this morning. And I'm just thankful that we we're just here. Amen. We've had a wonderful, wonderful time already. And today is uh, going to be a great day. Hallelujah. I awoke this morning and I told Sister Connie... I said, today's a really great day for a believer and a really bad day for the devil. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Without a whole lot of ado, I won't spend, I won't, I won't take long this morning and maybe we'll finish this evening, but I'm conscious of time, but I'm also conscious that I'm sent here to do a job. Right. Now, I, I just want to say something to you today. I'm not here for a notch on the belt. I'm not here to get clicks on an internet. And I'm not here for popularity. I'm here on a mission. And I want to come to your home. Many times, I, I say this, I'd like to come to your porch and drink coffee with you and eat some chocolates. But today I believe God's going to allow me to do that in another realm. And I'd like for you to be very conscious, if, you, if I can ask you to do that, be very conscious that I'm getting ready to come to your house. Not me personally, but him. And he wants to speak to you. We're identified at one time when Jesus was walking through a street. And there was a lot of things going on around, healings and miracles and faith was arising and people's expectations were in a lot of ways. And Jesus walks under a tree. And there's a man there. Brother Branham describes that man quite well and very vividly. And he called him by name and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to go home with you and eat with you. To the neighborhood, they probably thought Jesus just picked the worst man that he could have picked. And some call him a prophet and forgot the miracles that just happened. And Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house because he's a predestinated seed. And he goes to his house, and he has lunch with him, and they say a lot of things. And he has lunch with him, and Jesus' presence changed his life. Just his presence changed his life. In the coming days, he would restore, and he would become a different kind of a man, and his whole life would change. I'll tell you why Jesus came to his house. I'd like to invite you to prayer now.
And I want you personally. Don't invite him to somebody else's house. I want you to personally invite him to your house. I want to invite him to your pew just now. Could you do that with me by a raise of hands all across this audience? Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we bow our heads before you now. Lord, we thank you for these events already this morning. It's a culmination of of many things. And we have saw your supernatural hand. It's not passed on by natural lineage. No doubt in many time circles people say, well, that's just the family. That's just the family moving on. But God, you, you're the caller. You're the ordainer. And just as much as Michael has stood here before with Abigail and no doubt neither wanted to be in this position a few years ago. But today here they stand. God, you have gathered us from all realms of the earth. And years ago we would have probably no doubt picked this way, but you picked it, Father. You called and you placed it. Decisions were made. Choices were made. And Lord, we can truly say this. You've been with us all our lives. Now, Lord, as I have studied and you have laid this on my heart now, knowing I was coming to this spot this morning. Lord, this morning I pray that you would take these words. Lord, hide me behind a curtain if it may be. I don't want people to attach to my personality. I want them to attach to you and recognize that you are in this building. Lord, if I can say this in its correct way, the angel of God is here. Father, and may you search through our lives and minister to our hearts. Lord, for the purpose that we might be greater used... Lord, that we would lay aside every weight, every sin, create a passion and a desire in us like never before. Lord, may we commit everything to you this morning. Father, forgive us of every mistake and every failure. Oh, God, may you take the tongues from off of the altar and take that live coal and lay on our our lips now. Not just our lips, but our whole life. We wholly consecrate ourselves to you now. Give ourselves to you. May unbelief leave this building. I give you freedom to leave this building. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. If you will turn with me in your scriptures this morning. I would like to go to 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1 and then to Luke chapter 4 and verse 23. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. 
thank you for the opportunity to stand before you. And I apologize that Brother Tom's not speaking or Brother Ed's not speaking or these other guys are not speaking. But, you know, maybe maybe I can say something that will bless your heart. <clears throat> now, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. There's some incredible words said there. He has been used to fulfill the vision of the Word of God. He is honorable. He's a great man. Now, God's saying this about him. And it's going to be written down in eternal word. This is what the caliber of a man that he was. He was also a mighty man in valor. But notice these next words. But he was a leper. In Luke chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus will recall this from the word. And Jesus is speaking, and he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever ye have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he, and he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. And when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but none of them was Elias sent, save Sarpha, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. You may be seated. <clears throat> I know this is a very simple story, but it, it can get real complex. So if you'll just kind of give me a mo- few moments to, to speak it to you. Naaman, being a great man, had a position, had great authority. He was recognized as, a, as, as the captain of the host. He would be the five-star general. He would be kind of what Iran is, is mourning today, a general that has been killed. And I'm not getting into politics, but they, they look to that sort of a man as a great man. This was a kind of a man that lived on a, on a kind of a higher level. He, people reverenced him. People watched him and they made over him. He was a man that had great authority with his tongue and with his, with his words, with his speeches. He was a man that was what you might say 
greatly hailed as a great hero. He will be the man that will fulfill the scripture of Ahab's death. And he'll be the man that, that will liberate Syria. And as a liberator, people want to worship him, no doubt making statues to him and spots in museums. He's a living legend now. Everybody is just completely, completely enamored with his presence. You know, you just don't walk into the king and have an audience with him when you want to. But when you're a man named Naaman, you can do such. Interact with the upper echelon of the city. Look to them and be able to to correspond with them. And you're the man that kind of everybody looks to. But Naaman was a different sort of fella. You see, he had... He, he carried something in his body that was a secret. Only the inner realm of his home would know this. Because to be a leper would take him into exile. As a leopard in that day, they, they placed him on islands or places away or communities away amongst leper colonies. Because of the rotting of the flesh, the stench, the boils, the, the muscle deterioration, the, literally limbs would fall off in hard conditions. This man was able to keep this from the public eye. This man was able to hide it. And hold it very secretly. And then he's holding it very secretly. You know, everybody knows at home. You see, a lot of times, many people look out like on the outside as great overcomers. They can quote the message lyrics. Almost by heart, dressed apart. Look like great heroes. Look great to the community, the society, and other, other families and patrons and many of you that I'm sitting here. And I don't have anyone pointed out, but God sure does. And, and to look and to see you, I, I'd like to be like that home. I'd like my family to be like that family. I'd like for, I'd like for, for my, myself to be like that. Not knowing that there's a secret. That elephant that is in the room that nobody talks about. Don't worry, I preach this at my home church too. you can just relax a moment with me, there was an answer in his house. You see, when he was away at war, he, he took some treasures. And in the treasures, he took a girl. Brother Brandon will begin to share some things with us. They had a little girl there. I want to show you. The force of a testimony of a child who lived in a nation, perhaps a family who was under the influence of God. She loved her master. She loved her mistress. 
And when she seen Nabs, Naaman, probably a good-hearted, natured man as we know, according to history, Elijah had never healed of a man of leprosy. There had never been a leper case in his day. And the little girl being raised under the influence over in Israel, yet an alien, she was conducting herself as a believer. And that's the way that we should do all the time is conduct ourselves. No matter what our position is, conduct ourselves as a believer. Ready at all times to give an answer for the hope that lieth within you. This little girl had been taken captive. Not of her own will. She had been taken captive by the captain, not a sergeant, the captain of the host. Brought into his home. No doubt treated good, but it wasn't home. No doubt it was a nice home, but it wasn't home. No doubt she ate good food, but it wasn't home. No doubt they began to love her, but it wasn't home. He wasn't father, she wasn't mother, they wasn't family. She wasn't home. But she found a spot in their life to where that they trusted her. She became the the little lady in the home that did so much, many things. But being a captive, she had to deal with some things. She would see Naaman as he walked in and take his armor off. Take his shields and take all of that off and... He would go be from being the captain to daddy. Captain to the husband. Captain to the man in the home. Major difference. Out there, everybody worshipped him. In here, he was a man with leprosy. And he would start unwrapping himself, no doubt, the stench and the ooze and the bass and the, and the, all the different kind of things that they would try to do. Let me just say, for him to go to the local doctor would out him. For him to go to, a, to some physician to try to get himself help would tell the whole community, Naaman was a leper. You can read history. Once you was found out as a leper, you were exiled, Brother Tim. You know, you work, you work in India. You have to leave your family. Listen, nobody wants to leave your family. Nobody wants to destroy your family. Nobody wants to come, come to a spot to where that, that you, you want your whole family exposed. Nobody wants that. I understand that. But he was suffering with the disease of leprosy that was taking his life and taking everything about him. He didn't have an answer. I say that's a lot like sin sometimes. Sin will creep into lives unbeknownst, maybe innocent in a bit, and before long it attaches itself to you, no matter how great a warrior you are. And before long, because of as it moves in, it sells itself so well. Before long, your prayer life's gone, your dedication's gone, the tapes are gone. The moral factors begin to leave. And before long, if you're not careful, in the public eye, you're living one way. And in the private eye, 
God knows. We get so, so consumed by people spying in on us. We get consumed by cameras everywhere. You know, we live in a society of facial recognition and they know everywhere we're at, what we're doing, what we buy, what we sell, what we're interested in. Our conversation becomes our next email. It just seems like everything is just just known about you. Well, that's not anything new. Satan didn't come up with that. <clears throat> he gets credit for being of the tree of knowledge, but he, he didn't come up with that. God knows everything. He knows every situation of our life, the desires, the, the patterns of our lives. He knows everything. He designed the predestinated seed that laid on the side of you and knew your strain of your humanity, of the difficulties that you would deal with because of the passing from generation to generation and all of their qualities would fall down on top of you. And if I could just speak, sometimes we just need to be honest with ourselves. We don't have the answer. There's no doctor we can go to, no psychologist we can go to. We are in a day to where people want to discredit the humanity of, of our prophet. He was honest with us. He was very honest with us, and he was overly honest with us. But if that same microscope could be used on you, I get a little infuriated, and you forgive me. I get a little. I'm five foot five, so so I have got a shorter fuse. But I get a little infuriated that people want to put a microscope on Brother Branham and not put it on theirself. Are you with me? <clears throat> and if we could look at, Brother Branham would have been a murderer had God not stopped him. He would have shot those boys had God not stopped him. But God had a greater work. God wasn't looking at his human mistakes. Because there's a blood that was applied. Are you with me? I think in the Old Testament, sometimes as you're, as, if you being the writer, that you've got to write certain parts in. I'm the meekest man of the earth. And knowing who you are. A temper caused me not to go into the promised land. There's some parts of David that he, I'm sure he wished was not written. But they desired to live in a temple. Not a temple made with hands, but they desired to live in a body. To where that there would be something there. That would take dominion over the lust that they felt. They had a sacrifice. They had a blood of the bulls and goats. But it didn't change their nature. But they served a holy God. That no doubt 
and express His love to each and every one of them. And I'm being very generic now. But express His love and they fulfill prophecy and visions and they overcame wars. But they desired a change in their life. To be restored and walk like Adam did in the Garden of Eden. What Adam stepped out of, we want to step into. This little girl, she had the power to deliver him. If we could just take it just for a moment, this little girl had to overcome and forgive him for taking her captive. She had to deal with, yes, he's my captor. Yes, he has ruled over me. He's been good to me. But I could withhold deliverance from him. I want you to just think, she's a young lady. And as a young lady, she's heard about incredible miracles. The power of God working through her prophet. And he has never healed a leper. But her faith. Though she be an alien... Her faith was great enough in the God of the prophet that could take him into that realm to where that he could be healed. Though it had never been done. Though it was the most dreaded disease that there ever was. And so she challenged him, if you could get to my prophet... If you could get to my prophet. Are you with me now? What a prescription that she's getting. If you could get to my prophet. You as an audience have been wonderfully set for decades. With one that sat on a log with the prophet. Are you with me? You've heard the stories. But listen, God wants to do more than just give you stories. We're not discrediting that, whatever. He wants that same God. That same passion. That was in the prophet, that's in your pastor. That's in the ministry here. That same God wants to live in your home. And if I may say this preemptively, leprosy of sin does not have to have dominion over your life. We have a prophet in Israel. And if you could get to him, I believe you'd be well. Do you know what this entails? This entails that I have to go to an enemy nation. This entails that I'm just not anybody. I'm a general. So I could be an act in a war. If I just, you know, where I go, everybody knows where I'm at. If I go, 
You know, don't doubt there's a lot of so-called prophets here, but you're saying, if I go to him, I'll be well. So I've got to discredit all of these people. Now he begins to blend the will of God for a bit. I'll go on my own terms. I think that's sometimes how people come to Christ. They want to do it on their own terms. They know that this is a recipe that produces wonderful families. They, they know this is a recipe that has supernatural things that you can't explain. Some things you'll never understand. You just, you'll just never be able to put a real thumb on it. This, this is exactly how it happened. And I don't know how you take 10% and you go much further than 100%. I'll take care of your finances if you put me first. I'll take care of your family. If you commit me and make me first place, listen, you can't, you can't come up with a formula that, in that. I know you got a wonderful school, but there's not a formula for what God does. First of all, he had to come to grips with, I can't live with this sin anymore leprosy anymore I, I can't live with this sin anymore a leprosy anymore I'm done with it I've come to the end of it it's rained over my life no matter if I was winning a battle and I was cutting somebody's head off still there was leprosy when I unwrapped it I smelled it when I walked down the street I had to make sure that nobody could smell the sin that was in my life I had to make sure that I was clothed in a way to know where nobody. I had to make sure nobody knew what I was. But now a little girl in my home is challenging me. There's a prophet that's got an answer for you. There's a message that's got an answer for you. You don't have to live with pornography. You don't have to live with drugs. You don't have to live with running around on your wife or your husband. And the list is endless. But you don't have to live with sin in your life. been a while around a while now one day I was sitting on a porch with a man I was sitting with several brothers I was sitting on a porch with a man and he was sitting beside of me and I was just sitting there and I just laid my hand over on his leg and I said when are you going to get rid of that little habit And he just looked at me like, what happened? I said, you know, I know what happened. When are you going to get rid of it? He said, nobody knows. I said, I do. And I said, God just spoke it to me. When are you going to get rid of that? And he said, it's not hurting nobody. I said, really? No, 
I said, your children know. Their children watch you put it in your mouth. I said, you'll grow up. Your children will grow up. If you don't get rid of it, that little habit will stay there. And your children will grow up for a while. And once they get about this big, you'll start wanting to correct them. And then they'll just look at you and go, you didn't overcome. And before long, there'll be demons in your house you can't control. I said, let me just go just a little bit further. Let me just prophesy to you. There'll come a time when your children are gone, your wife will leave. And she'll take another man. I'm almost 30 years from, from that event. And his children are gone. And his children fight with complexes. And I prayed for them in prayer lines. And because the father didn't commit, they struggle. This ain't a good time to lock down. His wife did exactly that. Gone. But it could have all been fixed, Brother Tim, by taking hands of a brother's and saying, I'm naming and I need to come clean. But you see, you got to go from hiding to saying, I need help. Brother Ron, did Brother Tom talk to you? I didn't even tell Brother Tom what I was preaching this morning. You didn't talk to me. You've been overseas. Have you talked to your wife? (laughs) I had someone else talking to me. And Naaman come to a spot to where i got to risk it all to get help. That may be on the Internet, but somebody may be sitting on the couch going, Okay, it's time. I can't live a double life anymore. And I'm tired of living a double life. And i got to have help. i got some good news for you. I'm not a little girl in a, in a captive situation. I'm a man of God standing commissioned by the Word of God. There's a blood here for you. You can leave this service completely different than you walked in. Change can be gone. Prison doors be opened up. And walk out of here free. Brother Guido, one of his dying requests to me was, My son Isaiah would come to the Lord. Last night in Belgium, I got, I got text all night long. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Isaiah came to the Lord. Are you with me? He came to the season of his life that he couldn't live that way no more. Are you with me? And he found out there's a blood that'll take care of that. 
Naaman sent letter to the king. He went to the king. I cannot imagine the conversation that he had to have with the king in a very private moment. You're talking about humiliation, intimidation. But he obviously did it with an attitude. Because attitude's everything. An attitude of, I need help. But even in this attitude, he wanted to do it his own way. Now I'm going to preach to you. This is not your own way gospel. I could care less about your bank account. I could care less about what you drive. I could care less of what your PhDs, if you've got enough degrees on there to, on your wall to have a thermometer. I'm not interested in none of that. It does not impress me. But are you right with God? I'm not interested in your name. Are you right with God? Created a letter to have an audience with the prophet. Instead of going to the prophet, he went to the king. You know, sometimes in doing it your own way, it's kind of like Brother Ram had to explain to us that God has a way, and it's got to be that way. And he describes to us, lean not to your own understanding. He, sermon after sermon, he drives it. It's not your way. It's his way. Amen. And so he sends a letter to the king. And then he goes to the king. You know, God's not interested in parades. He's just not even interested in parades. So he's able to cross borders, go to the king. He is able to work it out. And when he comes to the king, the king hears about it. And this man being of this statue and having this kind of a history, he rents his clothes. He said, I can't do this. There's never been a leper healed. And you're bringing leprosy to me. You have walked into my castle with leprosy. You brought it to me. You brought death to me. Do we not understand as a family, as homes, as structures of churches? Do we not understand that sin will destroy us? And Brother Man said, you must destroy it before it destroys you. Brother Ronnie, your mind's eye, what are you thinking preaching a sermon like this? This is a good way to start out a new year. You may have stumbled through last year and by grace you're still sitting here. But let me just say, you can walk in victory. I may be only preaching to one, but I'm preaching to that one. Because all of you have been there. 100% has been here. 100%, 100%, I don't care what your name is, I'm not impressed. All of us have been right here. 
We needed to get to the prophet. We found out where he was at. He made his way. Elijah sent word to the king. Send him on. Send him on. You're not going to, you're not going to do any good down there. You're on the king's castle. You're not going to get healed. Here's where you got to get healed. Let me just say, here's where the rapture's at. Here's where the resurrection's at. You can diddle down all, all, all you want to out there. Come on, church. I had a man walk up and hand me his card just a few moments ago. He's a preacher. He's preaching a meeting here, here in this deal. Come from, from Dawson Creek. And he just walked right straight up to me and a, an elderly man and introduced himself and, and we began to talk for a few moments and, and he, and he was, he's preaching a prescription this morning somewhere. I looked at his wife. That's all I needed to see. He needs this message. I told him, you might, what, what, what we have, you might want to look on the website here. The... I didn't have an hour to talk to him. Come and see. Come and see. The brother Brown said, if you go to a doctor, he said, you gotta trust that doctor. He writes you a prescription, you gotta trust that prescription. And he said, you take it home, you gotta take it. A lot of people want to sit in the pew with it. Hollywood does not have all the Oscar winners. As a matter of fact, Hollywood don't have nothing on a lot of church people. I've met people that said, oh, I'd like to have been with the prophet. And I just say, no, you wouldn't. Because you're not ready to meet God yet. Don't take that in the wrong way. But if I can see through you. I could imagine as the servants now knew that Naaman was a leper. Their faith now is if we can get him to the prophet, he'll be well. Our fears will be gone. If I can get my daddy into the presence of the Lord, my mother into the presence of the Lord, that alcohol and that porn and, and all that, if, if he could just really, instead of just going to church, get it. Things will be different at home. Devotions will be different at home. Interesting thing happens when they finally arrive at the prophet's house. You know, he's used to, he's used to red carpet treatment. Been to a lot of houses. He's used to maybe a dinner and the best of a dinner. He's used to having the best seat in the house. He's, he's used to being applauded. He's used to be, being a lot of things, treated a certain way, bowed to. He's used to a lot of, a lot of dignities. But when he comes to the prophet's house, the prophet don't even come out. Knowing he's coming, sent a letter, told him to come. Prophet don't even come out. 
He sends his servant out. Told him what he was there for. The servant goes in. I can just imagine him looking at his people. Well, this is some sort of a treatment. The servant comes out and says, The prophet said to go wash in Jordan and dip seven times. Now he begins to talk about the ingredients of the message. Do I have to go to church? Do I have to wear our dresses? Do I have to clean everything out? If I'm going to wash, I'd like to wash in the beautiful Mediterranean pools. If it's requiring washing, I, I'd, I'd like to wash in a more dignified spot. You know, I don't... I don't need a guy with no education. I I need a doctor speaking to me, you know, that'll use lilty words. (laughs) He got mad. He got mad at the message of the hour. He got mad at his cure. So at this spot, he loved the leprosy more than he did the Word of God. And he had come to a spot, now he's arguing, he's having a temper tantrum. He's in that moment, do I die out or do I, do I continue with sin or... He had some good counsel around him. Said, just do what the prophet said. Listen, don't argue with this message. Just do what it said. You don't have to read nothing into it. Just believe what it said. It's simple. Are you with me? Someone sat at my table the other day and they were sitting there and said, What an incredible family. How lucky you must be. And I looked at them and said, This has nothing to do with luck. Never been an argument at this table. This, our table has the capacity to set 18. We have 16 seats. Well, it, it's never had an open argument at that table. Never. Never, never. never had an open argument. Nope. I've never had a continuous, contentious moment to, to where somebody got up and mad and walked out of the, it's never happened at that table. No, it don't happen at our home. No. No. That home is a, is a sanctuary to where I can walk into. As a token applied, the devil's not welcome. His music is not welcome. His nonsense is not welcome. We're just not lucky. We applied a blood a long time ago. This message works. Let me just say this. You can't fool little children. Little children see. They hear. They copy. They know what's right. Now I'm speaking 
to the youth that all across this building, you know. But sometimes you as little children have got to break the cycle. Sometimes you as little children have got to break the cycle. If your mom and dad won't break the cycle, you break the cycle. I'm not going to live with that. This one backslide, that one backslide. Somebody's going to overcome. Somebody's going to be a real believer. I believe I'm one of them. I stood with you in the in a meeting in China. I don't speak your language. Wish I did. I love your people. Go back in a moment. And I say that from my heart. Go back in a moment. You stood beside me in the prayer line. And you, you knew those people. And God told them things. I didn't know. But God told them things. For hours, six hours one night. God told you things. That you knew I didn't know. But He knowed. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? I looked into your eyes. And you were told things. You knew I didn't know, but he knew. Why would he do that to you? He cares. He cares. He cares. Why would people drive all across America to get to a prophet of God and maybe not get a prayer card? I grew up with a man that preached the message and he called it shotgun preaching. His name was Charlie Mitchell. And he walked into that meeting with a tumor on his left lung. And he didn't get a prayer card. He didn't get, he had no, no, no chance of being able to walk across the stage. Huge meeting. Charlie was sitting there with a death sentence. And the other ministers had called out to him and said, if you, we can get you to the prophet, you'll be well. And they were sitting aside from him because they didn't get to sit with him. And Brother Branham calls out, I believe, Reverend Mr. Smith. And then he calls Charlie Mitchell. I knew that man. Charlie Mitchell was sitting there with a tumor on his left lung. I heard him say it over and over again. It was like an eye looking back at him. And he said, I ducked down for a minute, and there it was. And he said, and he called my name, and told me where I came from, told me my condition. The difference was, he went home. The difference is, is a lot of people can call you out, and a lot of people can do a lot of different kind of things. But the difference is when you go home. I grew up watching Charlie Mitchell preach a shotgun sort of message, and he called it starting out here and end up somewhere. He said, I'm going to shoot all over the tree to get to you. I watched, I watched people come out of wheelchairs with his faith. 
I watched. I watched him preach the Word of God. My father was an associate pastor in the church and later to become a pastor. I grew up with this kind of a faith. I grew up with this kind of faith. I grew up walking into a, into a, into a woman that was now 85 pounds and she had been about a 250 pound woman and she had a tumor on her throat. And dad walked in and said, I want you to go in and smell it. He said, that's a smell of death. That's a smell of leprosy. Walked in there and he told her, said, sister Barr, You'll live and not die. Laid his hand on that tumor and cursed it in the name of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, every weekend she would come back saying, Charlie, I've gained five more pounds. And she was thrilled. She wasn't on no Weight Watcher program. She was thrilled when she went over 200 pounds again. To God be the glory. God's not interested in a Hollywood body. Come on, church. So many times we want to fool with the recipe. Sometimes that recipe is you can kind of work it a little bit as if you can get yourself to come every weekend, every couple weeks, just come to church. It'll soothe that feeling. It'll soothe the feeling to where that you can go to church and then you can sin. You can go to church and you can sin. And before long, you've hushed the conscience. But let me just say, you know. There comes a point to where that you have to come to a point that you can't live that way no more. It's kind of like one time I was in a vision and I was walking off of this crater. It looked like a bomb had taken place to where this earth had been so destroyed and roads were destroyed and buildings were destroyed. And when I got to the bottom of a crater, everything was black and there was a girl standing there. Sister Connie was with me, and we walked down into that crater, and I said, are you ready to leave now? Because things can't get no worse. Are you ready to leave? And she said, I'm ready. And we walked back up out of that crater. You see, nobody can make you do anything. You have to come to a spot to where... I can live differently. You preached long enough to know that I'm dealing with quite a few things here. The servant told him, said, Go wash. Go wash. He made his way to the altar. He made his way to the Jordan. 
Brother Branham said he was like a cat in sticky molasses. So he was down there putting his feet in it, kind of stomping in it. Muddy. It was nasty. It's where the waters come together, and it's a nasty place. He's not going to just put his feet in it. He's got to get in it. Now, folks, he walked in here full of leprosy. And he walked down and he put his feet in that sticky water and mud. Put himself down in there. I don't know how deep. I don't, I don't have that. But he got out to where he was standing in it. And all he could see was mud. That's what represented his sin. He was... And the prophet told him to dip. And he dipped. And he came up and he looked. And it was still the same way. Have you tried before and you came up and it was still the same way? You tried before and you came up and you're still the same way? He dipped. And he came up. Maybe there was a spot or two that he felt like quitting. He came up. He's a general. Everybody knows he's dipping. The sixth time he dips, he looks down and he knows I'm just doing what the prophet tells me to do. I'm doing what that little girl told me to do. Brother Jonathan, when he dipped this time, the vision of the prophet and the vision of that little girl and the prescription and everything that had bound him in slavery, what he had lived in in secrecy, The thing that he had tried to hide all this time. He was free. He was free. It would never hold him bondage again. Smell of his flesh. It didn't stink no more. It wasn't oozing no more. He wasn't a slave no more. I want you to just notice, what were you going to do after the miracle? It's one thing to have a miracle. It's one thing to have a transformation. But what are you going to do after today? What are you going to do this coming year? Brother Ron, yeah, I've been, I've been wrestling this sermon as I'm going along. I haven't just been giving you a normal sermon. This is a year sermon for you. What are you going to do after the miracle? He goes back to the prophet to give thanks and offer him all of his treasures. Listen, you're willing to give it all. You're willing to give whatever. He's brought incredible treasures to the prophet. He wasn't interested in that. He said, at least let me take a, a beast home with, uh, with, 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 with buckets of dirt. 
take dirt home. Brother Ron, what's the significance of him wanting to take dirt home? He wanted to be where that prophet had been. What God blessed, that ground, that hallowed ground. I want to take some of this home with me. I want to take what's living in this church to my house. I want that same God to live on the inside of me. The same God that was in the prophet. The same God that's in my pastor. The same God in the one. I want that same God. Don't soft soap yourself. Don't halfway. Don't live for decades behind the mask. Do you know who I am? Naaman? Yes, I do. But you need to wash it. Are you getting it? Cloverdale, God decided the first thing, the first Sunday of the new year was to, to give you a bath. <laughs> I may never get to preach again, but today, God sent some bath water for you. Clean your fingers. Clean behind your ears. Clean the back of your head. Wash. I want to smell the, I want to smell the soap. It's what you told your children. Did you take a bath? You didn't take a bath. How many moms could say that across this building? Every mom just said, yes, that's right. I've told my children, go take a bath. Did you brush your teeth, honey? Let me check. I watch my daughter-in-law smell hands. And I laugh because a few years ago I was smelling their father's hands. <laughs> and I'm sorry, so many times they're still stinkers. And you can wrap all kinds of things on it. And you could put all kinds of clothes on it. But when you go home, you gotta take it off. And when you look at the man in the mirror, you know. You know. You know. Why do we discredit prayer, prayer lines or altar calls? Brother Branham did it. I'll tell you why we do that. It's because we want to make it easy. We want to make it easy. Just evolve your way into the message. Just make it easy. you got to die. I'm sorry. I can't die for you. I was a homeless drug addict at one time. And I had to die. Sister Tracy, 
You remember sitting in a service. I've heard your testimony so many times. Sitting in a service and God just began to sweep over your life. Many years ago, I brought my son that will be here one day. I brought him to this meeting and I knew he was a stinker. He was my boy, but he was a stinker. He was dressing the part and combing the part and he was doing the part and he was at every service. But he was a stinker. Come on, Brother Joel, you ought to be the best amen in this building. And you had a meeting that day. And later that night, he would have a meeting. And you two would never be the same. Ben, you had a meeting in Edmonton. And you would never be the same. Come on, church. It doesn't take ten years. It just takes a few moments. Just a few moments. Jump, shout. I don't, I don't care what you do there. That's not, emotion comes with it. But let me just say, let that eternal moment happen. That gene seed of God has got to come to life in the right atmosphere. Oh, holy God. Holy God. Brother Ben, you said I'll never come back to church no more. And that's what you told your father. I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And he said, Brother Ron's speaking. Isn't it right? That's what you told me in Edmonton. And he said, I, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And you came that night. You were sitting beside of a pole. And the Lord spoke to me three months before. You'll preach this at Harold Hildebrandt's on a Wednesday night. And I thought, I preach this convention. I'll never be there on a Wednesday night. And Tim Dodd calls me. Brother Tim Dodd calls me. Says, I want you to come and preach a meeting. And Brother Harold calls just before. And he says, you're going to Brother Tim's. He says, stop in Edmonton to speak on Wednesday night. And I had the service. While I was studying three months before, God told me this is a service that you'll preach. He knew you'd be coming to the muddy Jordan. And you were an integral part of that, not knowing that eternal seed had to come to life. And you invited me to that meeting. I slept in your basement. We had a wonderful time. Your boys played Nerf guns and we had a wonderful time at your home. But on the way, I would, I would preach and it seemed like that nothing was happening. But God had came to you in that meeting. Did that end the wars of agony, of wrestling with your humanity? I'd say absolutely not. There's probably been many spots in your life that if you could, you'd have quit. Circumstances come and situations come and stories come and all kind of history comes and everything comes together. But you know. But you know. But you know that you know that you know that you know it's not you holding on. It's Him holding on to you. Hallelujah. 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 That's greater than being healed of cancer. That's greater than walking, being able to walk. That eternal part of you. 
You know what that's like, Sam. We stood at the lake at Mount Baker a couple of years ago. You know what that's like. All of a sudden, you're in a moment. I know I've been a little lengthy, but I'm coming to an end now. But I want to I wanna just capture just for a moment. You're in a moment. It's that moment that changes your life forever. I don't know if I've ever prayed for a service like I prayed for this one. And I'm saying that in my own humanity because I knew. I knew. Some of you are thinking this is so elementary. Three different people in this building has wrote me that this service is between life and death. So do you think I walked into this building thinking, well, we're just going to have another good service and go to, go to a restaurant, go rest this afternoon and get ready for the service? Oh, no. This is between life and death. I'd like for you to bow your heads now. Now is your opportunity. I've did my job. Now is your opportunity. Naaman outed himself to get deliverance. Now it's your opportunity, young person, older person. I don't care what your age is and I don't care what your name is. Now is your opportunity to, to come and get washed. Would there be a hand up in the building, Brother Ron? I've lived a double life and I need to raise my hand before God. Yes. Thank you. 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 I need to wash. 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 I need to wash tonight. I need to wash. Thank you. Those that's raised their hands, you know who's raised your hands, and that's between you and God. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to come and stand at this altar now. And we're going to have prayer together. Song leader, sing a song of just before is there coming.
I'm, I'm sorry, Brother Derek. I, I apologize. It's my fault. like for us to sing a song just before we pray, Brother Derek. So you could do that, just create an atmosphere here. sovereign moment. Yes, I know that this is the time for me to I know this is uh, not that you were calling us from That's right. I believe with God we never meet you in Japan. Touch this home. Touch our family. 
this audience this is a sovereign move of God right here in this morning it's a sovereign move no man produces this this is a sovereign move of God he's come to your home to change your life Many have come with different purposes. Understand, you didn't come to a man, you come to God. And He's here to meet your need. He's here to come to your home. Father, It is you that has swept in this building this morning. We recognize it is the very angel of the Lord. Your sovereign work. These are your children. These are the literal seed of God. You pre-planned them to stand here, ordained them to be overcomers of this age. Our humanity wars. Our humanity wars. Brother Brandon said in the greatest battle ever fought, he talks about the war of our humanity. One place he says, which dog you feed the most? So we've come to this spot this morning as believers. We've stepped out of our pew. And we laid aside pride. We laid aside actor's mask. We laid aside a lot of things. Father, we don't want to live the same tomorrow. Whether it's leprosy or sin or just needing a refilling of the Holy Ghost. We come to this sacred moment now. Lord, we we come to you now at this altar. Father, and you've never disappointed us. I've been disappointed in a lot of men. I've been disappointed in humanity. But I have never been disappointed in you. So, Father, 
I ask you to forgive us of our sins. I lay it all on the altar. I lay it all open to you. I lay it to you. You already know it. But I say it to you again. Forgive me, Father. Wash me. Wash me. Go to every crevice of my life. Every closet. Every room. Every house. Wash me. And I'll be clean. Purge my mind. My thoughts. My ambitions. Purge the very desires of my life. May the Holy Ghost of that burning fire come down and burn everything out of us that's not like you, dear God. Refill us. Recharge us. Energize us with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. May it be the very life of Jesus Christ. Live on the inside of me. I'm not ashamed of you, Father. I'm not ashamed of whatever emotion, whatever gift. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of your word. I'm not ashamed of your gospel. I'm not ashamed of the messenger. I'm not ashamed to be identified with the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today I die to myself. Today I die. Self, I want to tell you, you're not the ruler no more. Satan, the chains that have held me, I'm outed now. I don't care who knows it. I'm outed. Sin, you're not going to have dominion over me no more. And I can be free. Sound the jubilee horn. I can be free. I'm not a slave no longer. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I want to get some dirt, Father, and take it home. Let this word live in my life now. Why don't you lay your hand over on your neighbor down where you're at? Would you pray for me? Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Hallelujah. Only just let him fill this place. Fill it with praise. Fill it with worship.
Hallelujah. Break every chain, every cycle, every generational cycle. I'll not be held under that thing anymore. I'll not be held under that desire no more. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to walk in freedom. Lord, bathe me with this Word. Just bathe me with this Word tonight. Refill my home. Bring back the joy. Hallelujah! I'll not listen to the scarecrows. Hallelujah! May the very life of Jesus Christ fill my life. Fill my life. Fill my life. Start the revival here. Draw the circle here. I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself. I'm tired of this depression. I'm not live under that cloud another day. I'm not live under that cloud another day. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Jack, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Let Him fill your life like never before. Hallelujah. You're standing on the holy ground right now, Jack. You're standing on the holy ground. More than being in a great family, you're standing on the holy ground. He wants to do a work right now. Hallelujah. Awesome God. Fill our house. Fill my place. Touch me, oh God. Bathe me, oh God. I'm here. Saturate my soul. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's the answer to every problem in this building. Reach out to Him. You've got to reach. You've got to make the move. It's you and God. It's you and God. You're sitting on the fence right now. It's you and God. It's you in desperation with God. Break every circumstance, every chain. Brother Joel, this is the kind of presence you sit in on that porch. This is that presence here. Brother Joel, just raise your hands to God now. He wants to do more than just prosper you in the business world. I 
that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Make your way here. Joel, if you can make your way here. Hallelujah.